So uh, this week I was, you know, spending some time thinking uh, about about kind of the state of the world. And uh, yesterday I was on the river with this couple um, that was from the Bay Area, and we were just talking about how crazy the world is at times. And I was kind of sharing how, uh, I don't know if you found this to be true, but have you noticed how the more access to information, the more easily we can get totally discouraged by the state of everything? It's like we were not designed to have all this information all the time because it's like sometimes it's like totally debilitating because of how overwhelming and discouraging it can be. And it seems like the more that we go down this road, the more we creep into some, some version of chaos. I mean, we are just dominated by chaos and people struggling and just a lot of negativity. And I know that we, we know this, we see this uh, through media, right? If you watch the news, does not matter, matter what news source you watch. If you watch any news or if you're on social media or even just talking to friends of mine who are therapists and counselors who are now like, you know, have no free, uh, free space. There's, there's just tons of waiting lists for everybody in the world. And I mean, the one thing that we've kind of acknowledged, I think for the last two years is that some people are doing okay. And if you're doing okay, cool. But for a lot of people, it's just been a real struggle. There's a lot of emotion, emotional and mental, uh, illnesses and struggles that people are experiencing. And, and so I think that, you know, if you really just spend time thinking about where we're at, it's really easy to see why people are, are not doing well. And I think I, I experienced that in my own life, just in normal conversations with people, just like, hey, how are you doing? I mean, think about that question for a minute. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Think about that question. How are you doing? How are you doing right now? How are you doing? How is your soul? How is the state of your mind? How is your spiritual life doing? How is your mental, your mental health? Like, when we really think about some of these questions, wouldn't you agree with me that it's like some of us might be like, whoa, I'm not ready to really think about that, right? I mean, there's been times over the last couple of years where I know many of us in this community, we, we start thinking about the implications of those questions, and it's really easy to see how we've kind of digressed a little bit. Like, I, I've had a couple friends, people in this church community that we've tried to, like, find words to describe what is going on. And like one word that I, has been helpful for me is it seems like it's easy to get stuck, right? Like we get stuck. We're stuck in this, in this place and we're like trying to get out of being stuck, but we're, we're stuck. Or, or somebody um, recently used the word, um, the default setting that we're on. We're in this default where, I mean, we've all know what I'm talking about, where we, we, I was telling this couple yesterday, I was like, it's interesting how a couple years ago, we went from seeing people as uniquely created by God to now being carriers of some disease that are going to kill us, <laughs> right? I was like, no, nah, I don't want to shake your hand, <laughs> right? And we've, we've kind of like been navigating all that craziness. But definitely, there's mental, emotional, spiritual challenges that have been happening. And so depending on who you are, it just feels like there's still some of that stuff that's just kind of in in the atmosphere. And let me tell you something, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of this, is I think a lot of this is simply the fruit of the enemy. And I don't mean that, that in, in like all things are all the devil, okay? Because 
Um, I've been around charismatic people who blame everything on the devil, you know, like everything's always a demon. Do you, any of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like you're like talking to them and they're like, oh, the demon of toe stubbing was hitting me up today because I got up and I stubbed my toe. And I'm like, there's a demon of toe stubbing? Like that seems a little excessive, <laughs> right? You know, like there's obviously consequences to the things that we do. I don't want to minimize that. But at the same time, too, it does feel like a lot of the, the fruit of the world we live in right now is because of the work of the enemy. Because one of the ways that we can discern whether something is from the kingdom or something is from the kingdom of darkness is by discerning the fruit of it, right? If there's positive fruit, if we see fruit uh, of the spirit or evidence of God's kingdom at work, we can begin to trust that Jesus is doing something. But if people are always depressed, if they're always angry, if they're always um, full of anxiety and full of anger, would you agree with me that those are fruits that are not necessarily an indication that Jesus is at work? Are you with me? Like fear and all that type of stuff that's controlling many people. And I, I've just been thinking about that a lot, about these contrasts, because John 10.10, Jesus himself said that the thief came to, to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give abundant life, right? And so what's the fruit? And so in many ways, I think that the church, not just our church, but the church in general, has really been going through a reckoning the last couple of years, because I think it's super easy for us to become distracted it's super easy for us to lose focus on what matters. And I think in many ways, Jesus is asking us to really wrestle with some of this. So I've been thinking of a couple questions that I've been just like marinating on for a while. And the first question is this, does the church matter? Does the church actually matter? But don't tell me yes, because you think I want you to say yes, by the way. Okay, but it does. <laughs> but that's a question. Does the church matter? And here's what I mean by that. Okay, I, I, just think about this. Like, does it matter for us to be a part of a church community? Like, should people do that? Um, because I think that it's easy to say, okay, well, I read my Bible. Um, how many of you have a, a phone that you can listen to podcasts on? All of you do, just so, you, so we're all clear. <laughs> You're all like flipping your phone out. No, uh, you do. You have the ability to listen to sermons or teachings, um, we also have, many of us have friends that we can get encouragement and community from. So the question then becomes like, well, if we can get all those things outside of this church community, does the church really matter? And so that's a question that I've been thinking about. Um, another question is, you know, um, related to this is why should people prioritize their commitment and value to the local church? In, in other words, does participation in a community actually make a difference or does it actually matter? Um, which leads me to another question. What's the actual purpose of the church? Like, what's our, what's our mission statement? What's our job description? And then finally, you know, how will the church carry out the mission of God in the future? So like we've all seen these changes happening culturally. We're all wrestling with the implications of what's going on. So the question becomes, how are we going to, as followers of Jesus, continue to carry out the mission of Jesus in the world that we're in? Are you with me? So, like, here's what I mean. How many of you would agree that the message of Jesus should never change? Are we all on the same page? Okay. But the next question is, has the market changed? Meaning, has the, the world we live in changed? I think we'd all agree yes, right? Like, we now have at our fingertips... Um, unlimited information, 
So the question then needs to become, well, what about methodology? How do we continue to engage the world that we live in? And so I've been really thinking about these questions a lot. And some of these questions are big enough and they, they require us to really spend some time thinking and wrestling and reflecting and, and it's gonna take some time to figure it out. But a few of them, I think I've got some pretty strong convictions about. I think the church matters. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I have thought the church matters for a very long time, um, and I, I think there's a lot of biblical evidence to support that, but one of the ways that I'm inspired about the hope that the church has is based on a few things that I've been meditating on, okay? Listen to this. Okay, the first thing is this. This is some inspiration of hope for us to understand why I want to spend some time talking about the church. The first thing is this. Jesus promised to build up the church. He promised to. In Matthew 16, 18, we have Jesus, and he says these words. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, rock, and upon this rock, let's read it together, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus promises to build the church. He promises to build the church. And so I've been meditating on the implications of that text for 25 years. Because I remember my, my story is, is the story of growing up in church world and being super disillusioned by church um, by the age of 18 and 19. Like I'd seen it all. I, I, could st I could spend hours up here telling you stories of crazy things I've experienced in church from pastors, from leaders, from all the people in church. I mean, it's a miracle that I'm still involved in church at times. And so I, my experience is having grown up in church and seen all the craziness of church, it'd be really easy to justify never wanting to be a part of church community. But what I came to um, really a place of, of seeing is that I want to love the things Jesus loves. I do. I want to love the things that Jesus loves. The things that Jesus loves, I want to put my energy and effort behind. And guess what, folks? For as imperfect and as messed up as the church is, Jesus loves you. He loves us. He loves the church, and he wants to be at work in the church. And so that was early on something that I, I said, I want to give my life towards building something that Jesus says he's building. I want to love the things that Jesus loves. And then not only do we have this hope of Jesus promising to build the church, we also have to see throughout history that Jesus has been building the church. He's been at work in the church. He's been at work in the church. I just want to read a couple texts from the book of Acts for you. Just look at this. This is really cool. So Acts chapter 2, uh, at the very end of chapter 2, we see those who believed what Peter said, the gospel, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Could you imagine your church growing by 3,000 people in one day? I would just be like, I'm out. <laughs> like, this is too much. This is crazy. 3,000 people. <clears throat> then we read in Acts chapter 5, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. So we see the church continuing to grow. And then Acts chapter 9, after Jesus has led Paul to faith, 
we read that the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So we see throughout church history that Jesus has been building up the church. He's, he's been building up the church, and I'm happy to report to you that at the end of Acts, it, on, it kept on happening, and even today, Jesus is at work building the church. Amen? He is at work. So assuming that Jesus wasn't lying to us, how many of you agree that Jesus was not lying to us? He's not lying to us. All right, just making sure. Some of you are like, I'm not really sure. Okay, Jesus didn't lie, okay? Assuming he didn't lie to us, then the Spirit is at work in our community. And not only is he at work in, in the, like the local Red Bluff Church, he's at work in the dozens of other churches in the, in the county. And not only is he at work in the dozens of churches in Tehama County, he's at work in hundreds of churches in the state of California, in thousands of, of churches in the United States. And Jesus is also at work in, in thousands upon thousands of churches all over the world. Amen? And that gives us hope because Jesus, the same Jesus that, that was at work in the, in the first century is at work right now transforming people's lives. And so this is what we're going to spend some time discussing in this new sermon series. We're talking about a blueprint, a church blueprint. And I'm kind of thinking along the lines of charting a course for the future. That's really kind of what I want to spend some time talking about for us. And so my week, generally speaking, my week looks like a couple of things because people always want to know, like, what do you do um, throughout the week? And so um, on Sundays, obviously, I'm here. But throughout the week, there's about three things that I, I spend a lot of time doing. The first one is I like meeting with people. I actually like people most of the time, okay? And I like meeting and hearing people's stories. And I like meeting with people and hearing what God's doing. And I like meeting with people and wrestling with, with what it means to follow Jesus or to be a disciple. I just, I like that. I think it's really, it's really fun to hear people's um, experiences. You know, outside when you walk into this building, did you see that sign? What does it say? It says, tell us your story. And I want to go on record as saying, I'm one of the people in this church that would like to hear your story. Anybody else in here want to hear other people's stories just out of curiosity? It's really fun. It's really fun hearing people's stories. So I, I do a lot of that, um, normally around coffee or tacos. Just throwing that out there. So like if you fill out a Connect card, I'd really like to get tacos with you, Luke. You will get a call back. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, we are going to be hanging out. <laughs> I'm just being honest, Terry. I just need to throw it out there. And if you're buying, I'll probably call you even faster. I just don't really know. No. The second thing is I spend a lot of time studying the Bible and reading theology. And, and not only just reading the Bible and studying theology for the sake of doing that, but I, I'm always thinking about it through the lens of like, how can we as a church community make these truths, which we believe so strongly, how can we take these, these really complex at times issues and make it accessible for everybody? I mean, that's the challenge with church because in this room, not going to say any names, not going to point any people out, but there's people who have been followers of Jesus for longer than I have been alive, okay? And then there's people in this room right now who are like trying to figure this stuff out. Like, I'm not really sure where I'm at, you know, with the Jesus thing or with the Bible, but, but what we want to do is have a space where people all over the spectrum of faith can come and can, 
can, can experience grace and can be challenged and encouraged and then also can wrestle with the implications of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're trying to do all those different things here on, on, uh, in the vineyard. And so that's a bit challenging. But so I spend time, I spend some time hanging out with people. I spend time studying the Bible and thinking theologically and trying to make that accessible. But the third thing is spending time praying, praying for direction and asking God to, to give us direction for our, our church's community. In the past few months, I think I have become a bit more convinced about direction for our community. And in the coming weeks, I just want to spend some time talking about that direction and, and share a little bit about what I'm sensing and discerning. And I want to talk a little bit about both where we are going, but also how we're going to get there, how we're going to get there in the future. And so in other words, I want to lay out a blueprint for our church. And we're going to talk about who we are, because that matters. We're going to talk about what we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus. And then we're going to talk a bit about why it matters for us as a church to both exist in the city of Red Bluff, but also in the world. Because part of our, part of our you know, we've, we've said from the day one, our mission is to know Jesus, to make Jesus known. That's our mission. Like, that's what we're about here at the Vineyard. But we also have a vision to see the world transformed both here in Red Bluff, but we also want to see the world transformed by the work that we do too. Amen? So it's both local and global in spectrum. That's kind of the way that we're thinking about. And so I want to say this uh, in our church. Um, we're, we're essentially in this sermon series. We're kind of setting the table today. Um, but we're going to be talking about the implications of all these things. But I actually... Um, want to just put this out there. Did you know it is okay to actually have joy right now? And did you know that Jesus actually was resurrected from the grave? And did you know that because of the reality of Jesus' resurrection, we have this promise in Scripture that we're told that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in each one of us? And did you know that even though there's all these really overwhelming things that we're wrestling with, even though life is super hard, I, can I get an amen? <laughs> even though all those things are true, we have hope. We have hope and we have a calling and we have a reason for existing in the city of Red Bluff. And I want to just remind us of that because I think it's like we just need to be constantly told to not get distracted by all the craziness to come back to our mission and our vision, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We want to see the world transformed beginning right here in Red Bluff. And that's what we're going to spend some time doing over the next few weeks. So today I want to, I want to share just a couple things um, that I would consider three practical ways to join Jesus in building the church. And, and let's just pause for a minute here. Um, can we just acknowledge that sometimes church is super complicated and people are dumb. <laughs> I'm just checking. I'm, can, by a sign of hand, show of hands, can we just agree that those, those things are reality? Like people are complex and the things that we love about people, we also can find really overwhelming about people. And being in community is really challenging because like what I'm discovering um, and I have discovered is that it's super easy to be offended and it's super easy to offend people. And as soon as we put like, I don't know, it's like when somebody says, oh, I found the perfect 
church, I'm always like, is it just you then? <laughs> like, because as soon as you get people into a room, it doesn't take very long for what to happen. Yeah, we get like a little, we get our feathers ruffled a little bit, right? Like they're sitting in my seat. That's my seat. <laughs> right? Like I sit there every week. Don't, don't do that. Or like, what do you mean this coffee is lukewarm? <laughs> I'm just kidding, that's for real. That's like unacceptable, right? There's certain things though that happen when we, when we start to be the church and we, we, we get into community. It's like we just start to have these things that, that pop up and we have to work hard to be in community though. It takes time. And, and I wanted to say that we, you and I, we all have a million reasons why church shouldn't matter. We have a million reasons to be stuck to remain outside of community. We have a million reasons to be busy and not to prioritize what we're doing here. We, we all do. There is not a single person in this room who's not busy. Amen? And if you're not busy, give me a call. I can give you some things to do. Okay? We're all struggling with these things. But I want to talk about this idea of building the church, joining Jesus to build the church, because I'm telling you, like, for me, this is, this is how it happened for me. I... I had seen all of those bad things. I was totally done with church. I, I, had, I, had, I had gotten out of high school. I was going to college. I was studying theology. And even though I was studying theology, I was like, the church is all a bunch of hypocrites. It's just all hypocrites and all of them are annoying and blah, 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 blah. And I was, well, I was like trying to wrestle with, with loving Jesus, but not really liking the church. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And I'm, and I'm processing all these things out loud, and I was super toxic. And I was at this, men's, at this men's gathering with all these Christian people, and I was holding court, and I was explaining to all these men why the church was a complete waste of time. And after I got done with doing all that, my dad, after everybody left, my dad said, man, it sounds like you're really bitter about the church. And I was like, no, I'm not! And I sat down in my bed that night and I just sat there and, and the Holy Spirit totally shows up and convicted me because it was true. I, I just was so bitter and angry and frustrated by the church. And, and like I got totally, absolutely wrecked. And then the next morning, I remember my dad came out for breakfast and he said, he said that phrase, he said, Luke, I just want to love the things that Jesus loves. And it stuck with me all these years is I want to love the things that Jesus loves. And I want to build the things that Jesus is building. So let's think about three practical ways to join Jesus, not only in building the church, but also in loving the things that he loves. And the first one is this. Is I, I think one way that we can, we can build the church, and I don't mean build the church in the sense of, of like the building. I mean people because the church is a community of people. But the first one is inviting people into the community. Did you know, would you all agree with me? Let's start with this. Would you all agree with me that part of the goal is to help people experience grace and encounter God? Would you agree? That's part of like what we're doing here. Did you know that people are always one invitation away from encountering God? They're one invitation away from encountering God. My story of Jen, that's what happened for her. She kept getting invited and invited, and finally somebody invited her. She came to church, and she came to a place of faith. She came to know Jesus. 
And so it's really easy to do that. I, I mean, obviously Sunday mornings are, are a place, but I mean, Easter, did you know that most people are willing to go to church for the first time on Easter? Statistically, they're way more likely to go then. Um, there's also events that our church community has. Your house with coffee and tacos and burgers and whatever it is you do. Are, I can't get off of tacos. Just give me some grace here. Point being is that those are places where people can come and they can, they can learn more about community. So you want to invite people into the community. I think that's one way we can build the church. Another way is to prioritize your involvement in the local church. Now, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. I'm going to do it. Giving you full warning, okay? But just hear me out here. I want to encourage you to prioritize your involvement in the local church because I said earlier, church matters. Why does church matter? Because worship matters. Worship matters. Formation matters. How are you being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus? If the Bible says that's the goal, the question then becomes, how are we to become like Jesus? Well, I think worship together in community is one of the ways that it happens. Discipleship for your family happens in that space. And so we need to learn that, that teaching and worship and prayer and community all are part of the package. And I also want to say that we can accomplish more together than we can apart. Amen? We're better together. How many of you believe that? We're better together than apart. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Also, what that equates on a practical level is that if you get involved, you can rotate on teams and you don't have to do it every single Sunday like some people in this church community. You can actually be a part of serving and you can rotate and we can have bigger impact. But here, here's the actual the, the, the issue is church is not just another ball for us to juggle. Rather, it is the community that helps define who we are and it helps shape us into the image of Jesus. And this is what I, I think many of us do. When I think about the way we think about church is we, we approach life in this way where we're just trying to juggle all these different things. So like, for instance, we're trying to juggle our job. We're trying to juggle our family and our relationships. We're trying to juggle... Um, you know, maybe we're, we're involved in a, a certain club or a community hobby thing and we're juggling all these things. Anybody feel like they're juggling right now? Just out of curiosity. Like we're juggling, right? And it's so hard because it always feels like, like we're going to drop something. And I've seen it like when we were in Mexico, one of the things, my favorite thing is when you come to a stop sign or a light and then these dudes walk out and they're like doing all these things to like get you to give them money. And I was watching this dude and he was juggling like 15 things. And then as soon as he's through, like, the 16th thing, guess what happened? It all came crashing down. And that's most of us in life. And so rather than juggling, I think we need to rethink that whole entire approach to discipleship, and we need to go to a place where we center ourselves on the kingdom of God. And what that looks like, if we say Jesus and the kingdom are the center, therefore community becomes a priority, and we go from trying to juggle these things to centering ourselves on those things. Nikki Wolter was our kids' pastor for three years. And she then felt like God called her to pack up everything, to move to Modoc County in Alturas and to start a church. And I have been angry at her ever since. <laughs> but I've also been inspired because she was here and 
I remember when I first started pastoring here and we were, we were t- talking and she said this to me and I just was like, oh my gosh. She said, we plan our family vacations around our commitment to the church. And I was like, that is crazy. Like, I've never even heard of that. And it, and it really challenged me to rethink the way that we, we either juggle or we center. We either juggle all of these different practices and habits and important things, or we center our, our, ourselves on Jesus and the kingdom, and then we begin to rethink our commitment level to the things of the kingdom. And I do not mean this in the legalistic sense. This is always the danger. What you may hear me is that you need to be here and you should feel bad going on vacation. No. What we have said for five years is that vacations are a gift from God. Amen? And, 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 and so it's not at all about that, but it's about the valuing sense. It's the value of being in community. And I don't mean just here on Sunday mornings. I, I mean, it's so much more than that. In fact, I just want to tell a lot of you, hey, there's more to this whole thing than coming here on Sunday mornings. Community actually is far bigger than that. This is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. So what's the point of, of gathering? He says, but to encourage one another. To encourage one another. Which then gets to this idea of habits, though. And serving does make a difference in your life. And this is what Jesus says, and this is what we said earlier. It's better to give than to receive. It's, it's better to serve than it is to just get, 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 get. And that's the challenge I want to offer each one of you. And so we're thinking about three practical ways. The first way is to invite people into community. The second way is to prioritize your involvement, I think, in the local church to where we're, we're together. We're working towards these same goals, and, and we have the same mission in mind, and our vision is lined up, and we want to see people. Can we all just agree that the primary purpose for our church's existence is not for us, but it's for the world around us? We exist because we are part of the hope of the world. We exist because we want to be a space where people can come, whether it's the 50th time, the millionth time, or the first time where they can experience the radical, transformative love of Jesus. Can we all agree with that? Like, that's our purpose, right? It's not just to gather and to, and to like be cool and to, you know, pull our resources and have this huge room full of cool things. It's to pull our resources so we can actually then turn around and, and, and unleash it and give it all away to the world around us. That's why we constantly say we exist for the glory of God and for the well-being of people. And so these two things, inviting people into community prioritizing our involvement in the local church. And then the third thing is offering to pray for people. Offering to pray for people. It's hard to deny a miracle, isn't it? It's hard to deny that. And and when people see God at work and answering prayers, it stimulates something inside of them. And I'm just like you. Like there's been so many times where I see a need and I'm like, I probably should pray. But then you go through that whole like wrestling with whether or not you should do it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh man, you know, like I had this, I've had this happen so many times. For me, it's always the freaking grocery store. It's like, oh, I just want to check out, you know, it's like Lord highlights somebody. And then you, you, you're going through the whole wrestling process of whether or not you should do it. And, and every single time I don't do it, I get in my car and I drive away and I feel sick to my stomach because I just know that I know that I know. But every time I do it, I see God's kingdom 
break in and I see God do amazing things. And so I want to just say that maybe that's, that's one of the ways that you can, you can love the things that Jesus loves is by loving people enough to offer to pray for them. Super easy to do if you actually start doing it because you develop this pattern and this rhythm to where it's not the scariest thing in the world. Let's stand up together. <clears throat> So I'm going to pray really quick. And I want to pray for a couple things. The first thing is that... um, I don't want anybody in this room to feel like any condemnation, any shame. Um, There are like, there are a lot of different ways to be centered on Jesus and the kingdom in addition to or even apart from Sunday morning church. Amen? So um, the main thing is valuing community and valuing being together and working toward the things of the kingdom. That's, That's the takeaway. Amen? So not like, oh man, Luke just wants me to sit in a chair. No, stop sitting in a chair. Do some things. Get involved. Plug in. Start serving. You're gonna see, you're gonna see some amazing thing in people's lives if you start doing those things. So let's close our eyes for a few minutes here. And let's let's ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and to lead us right now. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. So I I just really have a strong sense from the Lord. Um, It's a little bit different direction than I was thinking we would go. But I I think that part of this whole being stuck thing that many of us are experiencing, or maybe even this like you're in this default mode that you want to get out, but you don't know how to get out of it. I think what the Lord wants to do this morning is, is bring some hope. And I had this sense that it's, not just the world we live in right now. It's not just like maybe where you're at in work or the things that you're seeing happen in the culture and society. It, it might be as simple as there is a relationship that you have that is just not where it needs to be and you are, you're pretty discouraged by that. Or maybe it's your, your inability to identify how you fit, where you fit, and you just are kind of just struggling with that. And so I guess the point is that if you are here this morning and you need to have a supernatural filling of hope, like you need hope. You need God to give you inspiration and encouragement this this morning. We want to pray for you. And so if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something kind of brave. And we believe in our church that this idea of everybody gets to play 
which means that we believe that the Holy Spirit is not just for leaders. The Holy Spirit is for all followers of Jesus. He, he's been given to the church for the purpose of, of encouragement and, and building up the church. And so if you're here this morning, you're saying, you would say, yes, I need hope. I am discouraged. I am stuck. I am in a default mode that I am not happy with. I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and just keep your hand up right now. And just that's, that's where you're at. Okay. So keep your hand up right now. And I want everybody else to, if you're okay with this, to lit, open up your eyes and look around. And if you see somebody around you right now with their hand up, this is what this means. Is This is an opportunity for you to walk up to them right now. Church is messy. People are messy. Mess up the chairs. It's okay. But I want you to go walk over to somebody who has their hand up. And I don't want anybody in here with their hand up to not receive prayer right now. And so there's somebody right here. Patty's right back there. There's somebody right here. You guys have to like be the church now. This is the time. Jock, this is actually a good opportunity for you. Go right there, okay? Come on. Just move over there. And I want you just to keep praying. So in the name of Jesus, we just pray for hope to come right now for each one of these people. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would remove any discouragement. We pray for just an overwhelming sense of hope, an overwhelming sense of, of, of encouragement and love right now to fill this room. 